Hi, welcome to episode seven of The Teacher's Promise. I'm Brett Hansen, your host, and I am deeply honored to help celebrate, inspire, and nurture educators around the world by sharing the stories of extraordinary, dedicated, compassionate people just like you and exploring important ideas that will make us all better educators. This week, we head to Menasha, a suburb of Appleton, Wisconsin, to meet Tony Devine, a 30-year veteran teacher and former president of NARON, the Wisconsin Alternative Education Association. Tony's deep experience in difficult topics like generational trauma and servant leadership will help all of us become better servant teachers. Please return next week when we venture to Central Michigan to meet Karen Riddle, a former mainstream special education teacher turned homeschooling mom who now runs her own private remediation practice for students who just need a little more help from an educator who truly believes children learn better when they feel loved. Karen shows us all that there are many different ways to serve children, as long as you care. But for now, let's get to our discussion with Tony. Today, uh, we have a, a wonderful guest, uh, a dedicated teacher um, who's had a, a little bit of a different path in regards to traditional teaching and um, alternative teaching. Uh, we have uh, Tony Devine today, and i um, very happy and excited to share his story with you. Uh, Tony started a traditional route and then went to alternative education and is now back in a traditional school and classroom, but with plans. And we're going to hear about those in just a few minutes. Welcome, Tony. Welcome. How are you doing, my friend? I'm good. Thanks. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, Just a a quick little history of how you got started, just a minute or two, and then we'll get to the Really good stuff because you have a lot to share today. Sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm going into my 30th year of teaching. Um, I taught in uh, Arizona, Illinois, and in uh, I'm currently in Wisconsin. Um, I've been blessed to be able to to teach in a lot of for uh, in a variety of districts um, from from really economic disadvantaged schools to extremely wealthy districts. Um, let me see for the last 12 years I've been on uh, sort of like this alternative education walk. Um, I was the president of our state organization for alternative ed. Um, I started my, my career wanting to be an attorney. (laughs) And so, uh, and uh, I, so I have a bachelor of arts in political science and international studies from, um, from the university of Wisconsin, Oshkosh, hail Titans. Um, but I got my teaching credentials in 1993, uh, and um, I am currently in the Education, Leadership, and Policy PhD program at UW-Madison. Wow, that sounds like a great program. What is the name of the, um, the state alternative education organization? Sure, absolutely. It's called NARIN. Uh, it's the National At-Risk Education Network for the state of Wisconsin. Um, I've been in the organization for six years. Um, I'm on the exec board for that group. And um, we do all sorts of uh, uh, great things to to bring at-risk, at-promise kids to the forefront and for the educators that teach our kids. Um, every year we have a, um, we have a statewide uh, conference uh, in the Dells in February. Uh, we have some of the greatest uh, keynote speakers and speakers that attend to our conferences. Uh, we have uh, 
even our national uh, organizations look at us to sort of get our our speakers to come to their conference. So uh, it's just been, like I said, it's just that's been a blessing for me to be able to um, to lead and to be part of of that good work. Yeah, that's great. One thing, um, all of us other teachers who aren't alternative ed teachers or don't know about it, we can use this uh, this name Naren to uh, connect with the alt ed, alt ed teacher at our school. Just uh, go up and ask him or her, hey, I heard about Naren. Can you tell me a little bit about it? And the next thing you know, you've got a little bit more community going. Yeah, exactly. So um, now I anybody who pays attention to alt ed at all knows that compassion is even more important mm-hmm. there. But can you still give us a little bit of um, an explanation of how compassion plays a role in your classroom? And now that you're not in Alt-Ed this year, I mean, you can talk about it in any way you want. Mm-hmm. What, what is the role of compassion in your teaching? Uh, one thing that I've learned in this walk is, is that, you know, like to lead, you have to be a servant first. And and I think serving is the is the one thing that if you're going to make that connection to your kids, you have to be seen as a servant. Um, I try very hard to like you know just make sure that that you know like kids when they come in my classroom, you know, with all of this cortisol buildup in in their other classes or they've got stuff that's going on outside, that they can come into my room for seventy minutes. And like, let that be their fortress of solitude. Um, And I serve them, you know, like, hey, guys, I brought donuts today. Hey, let's talk about you today. Um, Help me with this. Help me understand this. You know, just being able to to say, I see you, I understand you, or try to understand you in those things. Um, Because I think a lot of times our, our very young leaders go through, go through a day and nobody really asks, you know, like how they are, you know. And one of the things I've also learned in this alternative ed walk is that we need to, you know, love students and their families where they're at. Uh, I think a lot of times we 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 put this, you know, we have this deficit um, thinking of. There's this author named Terrence Green. He he writes about the, you know, like this traditional deficit value uh, of communities versus this asset values of communities. And that really uh, resonated with me because I think a lot of times we look at, we look at some of our kids and some of our families with like, they're just not going to get it. They, they, that, that group of people, they, they don't work hard. And I think that that is just, well, if you look at what they're coming from, I think like you would appreciate just how, how resilient they are. And, um, and we need to, especially in especially after coronavirus we got to understand the role of generational trauma and the way that that plays in the life of our of our students and we need to be prepared to understand and to, to almost have a complete mind shift in the way that we look at education uh one of my favorite sayings is that you know we have to unlearn everything that we've learned about education, especially when we talk about generational trauma. And the, Tony, yes. can you give people who might not be familiar with it? I have a very rudimentary understanding of generational sure. trauma, but can you tell us a little bit, just a quick definition? Sure, absolutely. Um, generational trauma is the uh, 
the idea that, let's say your great grandparents went through some things and it was hard. So I'm going to use racism, right? Poverty would be those things. And so the, the, the skills that you, uh, that you learned from that, you pass on to, you know, like you pass on to your lineage, you know? So like, I know in the African-American community, like one of the things that, 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 that we're dealing with, it's like, why is it that, you know, like black folks have higher number of like diabetes and, and uh, just mental health issues is because we've been in this space of just surviving and not thriving. And, and the thing about generational trauma is that that is just not limited to race, right? Just not limited to, to, to one's gender, you know, like, like it is, we all have some of that and, and like just getting, you know, just understanding that and then moving forward, trying to get help through those things is, it's tremendous. Yeah, we have to understand the problem before we can fix it Absolutely. or understand the person before we can really develop a, a good relationship Absolutely. with the person. Mm-hmm. So, Tony, um, if I understand correctly, you work in the Menasha School District. And can you tell us a little bit about its size and where it's located and um, how that plays a part in your teaching? Sure, absolutely. Uh, the Menasha Joint School District is a, it has about 3,500 students in it. Um, it is a small urban district. Um, Benasha uh, is, and I'm just going to say this, like Appleton is the biggest city uh, in the Fox Valley near us. So we would be considered a, a suburb of, of, of Appleton, Wisconsin, uh, home of Harry Houdini, uh, birthplace of Harry Houdini. Um, and so, but, but with that being said, we are one of the most diverse districts in this area. Uh, we have uh, uh, a, a, a significant number of, uh, of uh, I want to say, refugee students that are here, refugee families. Um, are, we have, I want to say, like 16% of our district, English is not their first language. Um, and we have a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, parents, families, uh, moving their kids from, from not, um, I, I don't want to say from, I don't want to say troubled or, or uh, unsafe places, but they're, they're looking for better opportunities for their kids. And um, so they come to Menasha. Sounds like a good place. Sounds like a good, good school it district. It is. It is a good school district. Yeah. yeah. And you know that you brought that up about families. Mm-hmm. It's certainly one of my weaknesses as a teacher. Um, I do not contact families anywhere near as much as I should. Um, and that's something that I need to work on. How, how do you develop relationships with families? Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things that I try to do is, um, and, 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 and teaching through COVID sort of changed the way that I normally would do things, you know, like you, I always was, you know, driving the struggle bus on how to communicate with families. And one of the things that I've learned that, that I'm trying to do is that I try to reach out to my parents more um, through like Zoom or Google Meets, 
you know, uh, understanding that some of my family, you know, like they work second and third shift and to be, and to give honor to that. So just trying to be more flexible in those communication policies, like how I'm going to do that. Um, I also being a, you know, I, I would say that like I am fairly active in my building, especially when we talk about doing equity work, um, just working on making those connections in person um, with, with, with our parents. Um, I also coach. I think that coaching uh, helps me a great deal with making those connections, you know? So that's how I tend to, to, to communicate with, um, with my parents. Yeah. And coaching allows teachers to create closer and tighter relationships with students as well, uh, because it's a, a place where they really want to be mm-hmm. a student. So that's, that's great. Um, and then, so what advice or support would you like to share with other educators, especially newer teachers who are maybe, you know, three, four years in a tough job? Um, what, what advice would you give them in regards to cultivating compassion and how we can use that to be better teachers, better servants, and then also to, you know, to benefit more from this wonderful thing we do teaching students? I think... I think one of the things that you you have to come into this profession with the right with the right reasons. If you're looking for, uh, I'm just going to come into this, and this is sort of uh, this is sort of like a, a gap decision to my career because I'm going to go do something else. Please don't join. Um, if you're looking to get the, the you know the uh, fictitious you know, June, July, and August, like days off, please don't come in the profession. So I think that the thing that that I would say, if you truly are about making a difference in the world, become a teacher. If you, that's the first point. The second point is, if you are truly about, about, about serving others, and about serving others where you are going to possibly always be attacked because of your service, then join. And if you have the ability to, to, to listen and to listen, you know, not for a response, but to listen, you know, to understand. And, and hopefully with you listening through that understanding that this is going to make a, a better community then come to the profession. You know, uh, if people decided, no, hey, I'm in, I'm, I'm in law, but I don't like the the way that the you know, that the law is changing. But I really, I really want to be invested in, in, in the future of this wonderful country that we live in. Then, yeah, yeah, I would say become a teacher. Yeah, and I would add to that. Um, one of the main purposes, once again, of the Teacher's Promise is you know, to celebrate teachers and to draw attention to um, the benefits that are often not felt by those first-year teachers, even up to maybe four or five years. And that joy that we feel once we find our groove and once we realize what's really going on with the relationships between students and how much our work means 
you know, it's a, it's a, a long-term goal that I'm certainly not suggesting should replace any of the, you know, the benefits of pay mm-hmm. and, and insurance and those things. But for me personally, you know, now, you know, 20, over 20 years in, I experience that regularly. I think that what you're describing is, you know, some, some good tips of advice for people coming in, you know, don't come in if you're, if you're thinking of it too much, like just a Mm -hmm. job, because it's not a job, it's a calling, it's a profession. And I think it's the noblest profession. Those are are good bits of advice. I would totally agree with you. Like the, you know, like when I wake up in the morning, I, 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 and this is going to sound so cliche, but I'm like, I'm really grateful for what I do. You know, I have, I have friends that are in some really powerful positions and, you know, with titles, you know, as long as my arm, but not one of them can say that, you know what, I, I'm cultivating the minds of, I'm helping young kids think about thinking, you know, that metacognition, you know, like, I want you to think about everything that you're thinking about, you know? So I just, I, I, I'm really grateful that, um, that I've been able to, to stay in this profession as long as I have. Yeah, it, it pays off. It definitely does. It, it pays off in, in the middle and the end. And I think for some teachers right away in the beginning, I, for me personally, I felt that joy in the beginning and then it faded mm-hmm. in the middle as I you know talked about my book. Um, but it's back and I, and I'm extremely grateful mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're certainly glad that you decided to become an educator. Um, and, uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about one of the kindest or most inspiring educators that you had when you were a student. So we get an idea of how you got here. Well, I think my kindest moment that I've ever had, um, from a teacher and there's, there's, there's two points. One of them is that in high school, um, the way that I fit in was that, you know, I was an athlete and I was also, I was a complete like drama guy, (laughs) you know, so I was in choir, I was in plays and I remember um, I was auditioning for the, it was my junior year. I was, I was, I was auditioning for, oh, actually it was, I was a sophomore. I was a sophomore auditioning for this, the biggest choir in the high school. And I didn't make it. I did not make it. I got nervous. I did. I couldn't read music fast enough, and I didn't make it. And my choir director, Mr. Fuller, Mr. Robert Fuller, um, just was so absolutely kind. And because I was hurting, you know, I, I I was crying, and I was going through a lot of stuff at home. My parents were splitting up. Um, it was hard being in the school that I was in, but he took the time to just say, you know, Tony, you're not ready. I could put you on this because I know that, that you'd be great, but you're not ready to do what you need to do to get better. And he goes, and I know that you are going to work to get better. Those were like the kindest things that, that, that someone, like he saw a promise in me. I wasn't ready at that point, but he saw he saw the promise of me being, of being great, you know, like he wanted to cultivate me. And 
and he could very easily because literally 400 kids tried out for this choir 100 kids made it and he he took that time to do that and and I'm like you know what Mr. Fuller you're right I need to get better I need to I need to practice more and I did like I worked my tail off you know to do it and when my my junior year when I was uh, in that choir or audition for the choir, they, it was lights out. There was no doubt. I left no doubt that I was that I should have been in that choir. And so I'm super. That was a moment of kindness that that you know, like here's this man who could have plucked me like a weed, decided that I had enough worth for him to tell me to keep grinding. And he also told me. When you become, when you're in the junior choir, be a leader in the junior choir, you know? And so that, I, something I'll never forget about him. He sounds like a great oh, teacher. He, he was, I mean, I, I, every time I think of, of Robert Fuller, I, I, uh, I get kind of choked up, you know, because he was one of those, you know, I went to a predominantly white high school. And that was tough, you know, not like it was just tough, you know, navigating those spaces. And he always seemed to just make us feel at ease. And there was like, you know, there was four or five of us, you know, nine white kids in this, like in the whole choir, you know, system. And he just had just this wonderful, this, 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 this um, this man who had polio, who was from like Pine Bluff, Arkansas, who just saw the humanity in people, and I, you know, just getting back, I think that that is he's one of the reasons why I became a teacher, and one of the reasons why I believe in being a servant, like just constantly seeing people, even if you're struggling with our students just to see the humanity that they have. And that was just something that, like I said, I, I will never forget that. Yeah. And I sincerely deeply believe that Mr. Fuller became more and more and more human, more humane because of you and students like you mm -hmm. and the opportunity to love other people's children, the opportunity to care for human beings and I mean, that's one of the greatest things about being a teacher, a choir teacher, an English teacher, an alt ed mm -hmm. teacher. We have all these wonderful opportunities to exercise our souls, to enrich them, to improve them, to strengthen them by being kind mm -hmm. to people. So thank you, Mr. Yes, Fuller. Yes, thank for you, that Mr. Fuller. Wonderful act. And maybe, Tony, maybe you can see if you can get a hold of him when this uh, podcast airs, this episode right. airs. And, uh, and we'll let Mr. Fuller know how much he, we, we he has moved on to the bigger choir. Oh, yeah. But uh, it's just like, well, I think one of the things that we try to do in this profession is to leave a legacy. You know, you might not see what your, what your legacy has grown and has built. But I think that that's one of the things that, that great teachers do. They leave a legacy, you know, and. Yeah. And um, we still, you know, like uh, the people who've made, it was called the Acapella Choir at Oak Park River Forest High School in Oak Park, Illinois. Um, we have a concert. 
like we we go we we have a concert and we we raise money from that concert to support like scholarships uh the the purchase of new music equipment uh quark you know like because uh, you know they cost money to 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 buy music and stuff and so that's what you know with the the sales the that we get from that that's what we we donate back to the school and that's because of that yeah, man that's yeah, that's Mr. That's Fuller's Mr. legacy. Fuller's that's legacy. awesome. Hundred percent. Great. Now you you basically already answered this with so many of your statements, but in just like thirty seconds, can you give us the 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 focused reason why people should become educators today, considering you know all the issues with lower mm-hmm. pay and and um, problems in schools and the politics? Why should people become educators today? Because we need people to help us control the narrative of what education is and what it isn't. And that I think that the other thing is that you should come into, we want to encourage people to come in, is because we, we need people to, who have a, a, a heart for, for you know, shaping the future, leaving those legacies. You know, um, that's what I would tell people. I was like, I know there's a lot of like, you know, the professional worlds are like, you know, proletaritism and intensification and deprofessionalism of the profession. Yeah, all of those things are true. And we're working on those things. But I think the one thing that that if you're coming into the profession that I can tell you is that we need you. Step through that, you know, yeah. you know, so, uh, like gird yourself up and walk through that door because we need you. Yeah. And, you know, keep your eyes wide open because it's a, it is a tougher path than mm-hmm. some other careers regarding, you know, financially and benefits, but just remember that the payoff is, is worth it. There are other forms of compensation other than right. money. And money is uh, important. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to, I'm just going to like money is important with, with that because we are a profession. And I would I would also say that we are a we are a necessary profession, and um, and so I think that we just also need to understand like we we do a lot of schooling, you know, to to help us through this, you know, to to hone our craft, you know, um, and so I think that that's that's something when I hang my hat on is that like no I work hard at what I do, you know to to be the best you know like we want the best in our profession you yeah. know yeah it is um necessary i would say even essential mm-hmm. and it is a, a noble thing to choose a profession that is so important uh, but maybe just not as respected exactly. as some others so now we're to the end of the show and we get to my favorite part the bit where i get to thank the educator um, and I really love this part of my podcast, my job, my show. Um, and that is to say thank you, Tony, for all the work you've done over these 30 years. Uh, we, we do need people to come into the education for the right reason, and then we need them to stay and find that, that deep meaning and purpose that you found because that's how we really enrich students' lives and then also improve our own. So thank you for tackling the alternative education problem, and then um, coming back to traditional classrooms and 
bringing those skills and all that wisdom to bear for all your students. And thank you for deciding not to go into politics and law, but staying in the profession and maybe moving toward developing a school district where these principles are uh, the, the primary factors. Thank you for your passion for equitability and for all you do for all your students and for being a good role model um, and a voice of reason. And thank you for everything else that you do for our students, for our community, and for sharing your time with us today. Thank you so very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us and accepting the inevitable realization that all children are our children and that all kids deserve our intelligent compassion. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to the Teacher's Promise podcast wherever you get your podcasts so we can share these wonderful stories and so much more with as many educators as possible. If you listen to the podcast on my website, Hanson Education Services, please share the word through whatever social media you use. And finally, always remember you must take care of yourself in order to take care of others. So if you haven't, please join the Teacher's Promise Facebook group and bring a friend. Everything's better with a friend. Until next time.